Hey everybody, welcome back to The Millionaire Marriage. I'm Jeremy here with Taylor, and we have a very special guest with us. I have the privilege of calling her family. I don't know if she feels like it's a privilege, but we have Brittany Scott with us. Brittany is an unbelievable musician, recording artist with over a million streams right now. But uh, according to her, that is not her highest calling. She is a pastor's wife. That's not it either. She's a wife to Ryan Scott and a mom to Asha. And her and her husband, Ryan, are planning, have started a church in Seattle, Washington, and it is a thriving revival church. And we are honored to have her today. I am so honored to be here. And yes, I do count it an honor to call you family. So just in case anybody was wondering, (laughs) but thank you guys for having me on the podcast. (laughs) Cool. So Tell us a little, and I know Ryan's not here, unfortunately. Tell us a little bit about your guys' love story, how you guys met, and how you guys ended up in Seattle. Well, I was one of those young people that was not interested in dating. Um, My husband, our stories are a little bit different before we met, but I remember as a young person going, I don't want to be one of those people that just dates person after person and goes through sometimes heartache after heartache to find, you know, the one. And so I told the Lord as a young person, I just want to meet the right person. I want to know that he's the right one. And I want to spend my life with that person. And thankfully God honored that prayer. So I did meet my husband, um, actually here in Lufkin, Texas, where we're recording this podcast. Um, even though I'm from the state of Washington, he happened to be here and, um, God brought me here to Texas Bible college and let our paths cross. And I just knew he was the one. Um, and I remember first, I just remember thinking how awesome he was and he is about eight years older than I am. So I thought there's no way that he's going to, you know, consider me. (laughs) Um, but so the funny story actually is that first I thought, well, I need to at least set him up with somebody that I know because this guy is awesome. (laughs) So I tried to set him up on a blind date with one of my friends that was closer to his age. (laughs) And he thought I was just being sneaky and trying to set him up on a blind date with me. So he said yes. And he was very shocked when he showed up and it was not me. It was a friend of mine. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I just, you know, right after that, I was like, Lord, if it's your will, of course, um, it, you know, I would really like to marry this man. I just think that he's the one. And so, and I say he's, you know, the one we all know that the choices and things that we make, God can use those, you know, while I like to say that I believe in soulmates and there are a lot of things that Ryan and I agree on and vision that we have that we share together, um, you know, sometimes soulmate might be a little bit of a stretch. You can commit to your marriage no matter what and make it work Uh and be heading in the right direction. I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, But thankfully, again, God saw fit to bring us together. And um, I was young and naive because I had not dated. I just knew if I feel like this is the guy for me and, you know, then I need to just make sure that he's aware I'm here. So <laughs> that's what I did. Um, and I was like, I, I prayed about it. Of course we talked, um, and we both just felt like, you know, we were on similar pages. We had, um, at that point, we even already both knew we had a burden for the city of Seattle, which was great. And, um, I thought, you know, I, I knew I was going to marry him before I ever fell in love with him. And so, 
my goal at that time was like, all right, we need to get to know each other. And I want to fall in love with this man. And that's what happened. And we've been married 15 years in July and I would not change a single thing that we have done or our story at all. So. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about, so for some people that don't know, this isn't like the overall like theme of the podcast, but tell us a little bit about Asha and your guys's journey there. Yeah. So, um, like I said, 15 years, we will have been married in July for 15 years. Um, and God has not seen fit up until that, you know, up until recently to add to our family. And honestly, I've, it's not been, I know some women especially really struggle, um, with infertility and it's a very emotional thing. And I'm not saying that I've never been emotional about it, but I'm also of the belief that it's in the hands of God throughout the scriptures we've seen over and over again, where God opens and closes wombs and he does it for his purpose and his, in his timing. Um, so it's not ever been like a stress, I guess, to us and to our family. We just knew that eventually we want to add to our family whenever God sees fit. But, um, several years ago, it's been like five years ago. Now we both felt like God was calling us to explore the adoption route. So we said yes to that. And, um, the more that we learned about it, the more passionate we became about it just because there are so many children, um, babies in this world that need a loving home and to be in a home, honestly, where the family is committed to pursuing the kingdom of God. Um, what greater gift can we give not just our own biolo- biological children, but to, you know, whatever children God might bring our way than to introduce them to the kingdom of God and this wonderful salvation that we hold so dear. So we said, you know, yes to the Lord, started learning more about it. And there's been, there were several ups and downs, but again, we were just waiting on the timing of God. We all know that his timing is perfect, even though sometimes, you know, we struggle a little bit (laughs) because we want things to happen in our timing. Uh, At the end of the day, we just both knew when the timing is right, God will open the door. Um, And during this season, there's been a lot of other doors and opportunities that have opened for me that I knew some things will have to change when we add to our family. I was traveling a lot more um, and doing the music thing, and um, I was like, I'm not going to (laughs) waste the season that's in front of me just wishing for something else to happen. I don't want to sit still until, you know, God brings this opportunity my way when there could be other things that we're doing and enjoying and pursuing uh, while we wait, which is always important you know, in our lives. Anyway, um, in 2020, we ended up matched. Um, and if you don't know a whole lot about domestic infant adoption, you are chosen by that expectant mother. So they look through all of these profile books and they pick a family that they think would be the best fit that they could feel connected to, um, to adopt their baby. And so we were chosen by a mom in um, September of 2020, well, earlier in 2020, but in September, she was due with a baby girl. So I know it is kind of a long story, so I won't go into all the details. And you can find this story, um, you know, on my social media pages and stuff like that. If you want to go watch the video and cry with everybody else. <laughs> we did right um, before this podcast. Started. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, anyway, that ended up not turning out the way that we thought it would. And um, I did have a lot you know, of questions. I trusted God, but I also was dealing with grief um, because we were expecting our whole lives to change and you're expecting to add to your family. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're dealing with the loss of what was supposed to be, Mm -hmm. even though we never actually held that baby in our arms. 
we were still grieving the loss of the fact that we were supposed to go home holding a baby in our arms. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that we had to work through kind of with that. And um, I just, there were times where I was like, okay, God, I trust you. And then there were times where I felt like I was just pouring out my, you know, dis- disappointment and discouragement <laughs> over what had happened and the fact that it took over a year for anything to change in our lives. Um, but just kept trusting, you know, as best that I could. And um, God ended up using that failed adoption story to bring our daughter Asha into our lives, which was just incredible. I didn't know how anything good was going to come out of it, even Mm -hmm. though God says he's able to work all things for good. Sometimes in this flesh, we still doubt. And I just, I couldn't see the good in it. Um, But we went on a, a music tour that's called Battle Cry Tour. And on that tour every night, God asked me to share what had happened. Um, God had promised that he was going to give us a baby. And even though we went through this failed adoption, he just wanted me to get up and share the story of the failed adoption and remind people that even though I still don't have my promise, he's still a promise keeper. And if you don't have your promise yet, he's still able to deliver on his word. He's still a God of his word, whether we see it right now or not. And that won't change. That's what the word says. And he will always come through. So I said, okay, I'll get up and share that. And honestly, every night I saw how people were being touched by that testimony, had women coming up to me saying, we're dealing with infertility and I've been so down and discouraged. And just seeing the faith that you had to stand up there and say, I don't have it yet, but we're still holding on, gave me the faith (laughs) to say, we're going to keep holding on to the promises of God. And so I thought, okay, God, that's what you wanted out of this. And, you know, as a child or a young person, praying the prayers and singing the songs that God, if, you know, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Sometimes that really hits home when you're like, I just have gone through something I did not want to go through. And yet here I am seeing God use that for his glory. And if that's what he wants to do, then am I still willing to say you can use me to do that? And so God was really dealing with me about all of that. Um, And I thought, okay, it was the testimony and the fact that people were being really, you know, touched by that testimony. People were encouraged to hold on that's what you were wanting to do. And in that moment, it is. But I didn't realize that one of the nights that I was standing up sharing this testimony, there was going to be a pastor's wife sitting there that three days later, she was going to get a phone call that said, hey, we have um, this lady that she just had a baby last night, and she's looking for a family to adopt this baby. Um, And that's what happened. (laughs) So I was on my way home from tour and she called and she said, we've been pastoring this church for over, I think over 35 years. I have never had this happen, but there is a baby. We're looking for a family. I cannot get you guys off of my mind. And I wanted to call you first. So I called my husband and we said, we'll just see what the Lord wants to do. And I changed my tickets <laughs> mid trip. We were literally at our layover and I changed tickets to turn reroute, go to, back to Tennessee where the baby was. Um, and it was going to cost us over $1,500 because my mom, and my sister were with me. And of course they were not going to be left behind. <laughs> um, and Delta ended up giving us all of those tickets for free. They changed everything. They just said, your luggage isn't going to make it because it's already in route, you know, we, we can't change that. Well, you know, when God is in the middle <laughs> of it, yeah. anything is possible. And we got there and one of the things we had gate checked had ended up falling off of a cart. So they're like, we had to send it down to baggage claim. So we went down to get that one thing that we had gate checked and all of our luggage was going around the carousel. 
That's so awesome. everything Incredible. ended up making it to Tennessee, which was just one more little blessing because we needed all of our stuff. <laughs> and um, when we got there, I mean, thing after thing fell into place. Of course, Asha, I got to hold her less than 24 hours after her being born. Um, the first time I held her, um, the pastor's wife was videoing me when I walked in and her biological mom handed her to me and Asha just like her face lit up in this little smile. It was the sweetest thing. And I know that they don't really know how to smile, <laughs> you know, for the reasons that we smile. Um, but it was just very sweet and everything fell into place. We didn't have to pay for our hotel room for the over a week that we were there. We didn't have to rent a car because a family in the church literally gave us their like luxury SUV and was like, until you don't need it anymore, you know, until you guys go home, you guys can drive this. Um, just everything fell into place. And of course, the best part of all is that Asha is a part of our family and she could not fit better. And then on top of that, her testimony, like the whole testimony of how all of this happened has made an even bigger impact because you guys said you watched the video before I came in, but, um, that those videos, that video has been viewed so many times and I've received so many messages. And then all of the people that were there every night of tour, when they went and watched it after hearing my testimony, I mean, we even had nurses at the hospital when they came in. Of course, I'm willing to share. So I'm like, you guys will not believe, you know, because they're like, how did this happen? You know, they wanted the backstory of how we even got connected. And we had nurses in our room that weren't even working in our room crying and talking about how encouraged they were and how their faith was just so lifted because of everything that God had done in our life and in Asha's life. And um, anyways, just an incredible testimony. We're so thankful for what God has done. Wow. So this kind of reminds me. So we did a, we did an episode with, um, Reagan and Kelly Williamson. There was a little boy here who passed away and, and it's like, there's so much similarities cause you know, their whole, and he was 10 years old and their whole outlook was like, well, this was God's plan. And it's so, it's so easy when everything is going good to say, Oh, well, I'm just so excited about God's plan. And then when you actually have to live it, when it's not going so easy or it's right. not what you wanted or it's not how you thought things would play out. And then, so you start walking through that and it's really difficult, but it's like on the other side, you actually see how his plan was, was really coming to pass. And I'm just sitting here, obviously we we've been through this with you guys and it's like just remembering all of this. And I'm like, it's difficult for me to keep it together. Just like you got you and Ryan's strength through all of this is, is really unbelievable. And what would you say? And again, I know this isn't what we are like, we're, there's other things we want to talk about, but what would you tell, what would you tell that, that young lady who is wanting to have children, but that God hasn't see, hasn't saw fit. What would you tell them if you had an opportunity to speak with them? I think one of the most important things is to recognize that it's okay to not be okay sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be disappointed and to be discouraged because those are all emotions that we're going to feel. God made our emotions and, um, you know, those are all things that we're going to experience. And especially when you're longing for a child, um, you're going to experience those things. The most important thing for me to recognize is that when I'm 
feeling grief, when I'm feeling those things, is I've got to go to God with those things. I can't yeah. try to bottle them up. I can't try to rely on myself. And sometimes it, even even though it is good to talk to other people, maybe find people that have, are there or have been through things, if I'm only relying on the people that are around me, then spiritually there's not a healing and peace that passes understanding that only God can bring that can work in my life and give me the strength and peace I need to keep going. So recognizing that, and I know you said like how strong we were, but like, I know those moments of weakness and I know the times where all I could do was sit and my husband and I would go to the church in the mornings to pray. Um, just, I had my little spot and sometimes I would just sit there and cry out to God. And sometimes I didn't even have the words, but I knew that I've got to make sure that I'm going to God with these things. And even if I don't know what to say and, you know, I'm feeling this grief or whatever, if I can just go to him and pour those things out to him, he's going to give me the strength that I need to get up and keep moving, keep going forward. And that's the other thing. As a young person, I made up my mind that nothing is going to derail me from my faith. doesn't matter, you know, what might come in my life. And I feel like every person has to have that moment where they go, I'm in this for the long run. It doesn't matter if God, you know, does what I want him to do or not. Um, And especially in moments like this, it's what helps you keep going. Because, you know, even if this is not going the way I want it to, even if I'm longing for something that I don't have yet, I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to keep living for God. Like, I've already made up my mind nothing's going to cause me to turn, you know, to the right or to the left. My eyes are on the prize. Um, And so I would just encourage you to make up your mind. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if God, you know, gives you that thing that you're longing for or not. He can give you peace. He can give you strength. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're trying to make heaven our home. And one of the other things I just wanted to quickly mention um, as we were talking, it kind of came up in my mind. But one of the other things that God really taught me through all of this is that at the end of the day, sometimes we can't see the how God is glorified in certain situations, yeah. like a loss or yeah. whatever. But at the end of the day, if we want God to be glorified in our lives, we kind of have to look for those moments where he can be. If we're only looking for the bad or the negative, you know, that's what we're going to see. We are not going to see the glory of God, but I can see the glory of God in somebody's faithfulness. And even if everything falls apart and they can continue to stand on the word and live for God and they cling to God, no matter what, that faithfulness is a testimony to everybody else who's watching that is going to bring him glory. So at the end of it all, if you can just continue to be faithful that faithfulness alone is bringing glory to God and is a testimony to anybody who is looking at you. Wow. Yeah. That's good. I love how, you know, I, I don't know a ton about you guys. I've learned a lot from Jeremy and watching the videos, but you know, your testimony and like I said, that video has been watched. I've noted hundreds of thousands of times, probably, you know, but getting out there and sharing your testimony, I think is really important. And that's something that we try to do here in the podcast is saying, Hey, you don't, have to be, you don't have a perfect marriage, right? You don't have a perfect life. You don't have to maybe raised a certain way or have a silver spoon in your mouth. Like you can, right? Keep your eye on the prize. Keep God first and look for ways to be a light to other people. I had somebody recently tell me it doesn't take much to be unforgettable. Yeah, it doesn't take much. You <laughs> That's know, true. It really doesn't take much to be unforgettable. Both you, ways, yeah. Both ways, right? Um, but in a in a positive way, you yeah. know, if you just step out of your comfort zone or you know, speaking to somebody who um, may be going through something. It doesn't take a lot to be unforgettable. And I, I think about that a lot just in daily life of how can I make an impact on somebody's life today that maybe it's not a lot. You know, it's not taking four hours out of my schedule. Right. It's not writing this huge check. It's 
it's just little things that we can do day in, day out. And you getting up every night of that tour and sharing your testimony, you know, definitely not easy, but it was something that was unforgettable for so many that were in attendance and now lives on forever right. in a video. So thank That's you so, so much. Okay. So like I had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you have a lot going on. And so, so we were looking at calendars and I was looking at our calendar at hers and I'm going, your calendar is really full. <laughs> so, cause she's, tra- she's traveling a lot as a result of everything that God's opening. So talk to us a little bit about being first a, a woman in ministry and then also like being a wife and a mother in ministry and how you are navigating all of this because like like you're here with us now and Asha's here. Um, so tell us how are you navigating that and and some of the things on your mind with that. Yeah, so my calendar is a little full right now and I honestly don't always get this 100% right because I do try I do try to space things out um, enough because I my first calling, my first priority is always going to be to my family and to my home and then beyond that to the church that God has called us to pastor. Everything else is kind of an added bonus that I enjoy. I enjoy getting to travel and to, you know, share my music and all of that. And I'm thankful that God has given me the opportunities to do that. But even if he didn't open those doors, like those aren't the most important things in my life. And a lot of people see like that, you know, platform ministry, I guess we would say, um, the NAYC stages or the youth convention platforms or whatever, And they think that that's what my life looks like all the time. It doesn't. My life looks probably a lot like everybody else's. I have a house that I have to keep clean. I have laundry I have to do. I have a husband that I, you know, have to feed. (laughs) Um, And that is the day-to-day things, you know. There's none of this. There's really no celebrity status involved (laughs) at all. And there's actually a funny story. One of the places I went to, they put me up in this amazing hotel. Um, like you walk in, there's jazz playing. They open and close your windows, you know, your blinds every day. There's chocolate on your pillow. They would come in and organize all of my like toiletries in the bathroom when I wasn't there, like all of this crazy stuff. And so, of course, I'm like wanting to show Ryan, he's my husband. Um, And so I'm FaceTiming him and like giving him a tour and telling him how awesome it is. And he's like, oh, how cool, how cool. He's like, well, enjoy it because hashtag dishes are waiting when you get home. (laughs) (laughs) And that has honestly, I love that so much, which is kind of funny because some people might think, well, that's kind of offensive. And for the record, usually dishes are not waiting when I get home. When I get home, like he has the house cleaned. The last time not this last time, but the time before he like completely cleaned out and organized my pantry and my refrigerator. Like he's very much involved, but it was just like, I'm actually thankful that he said that because it like, I've been able to share it and really drive home the point that my most important, the most important things I do is what I do at home. Yeah. It's not what I do everywhere else. I'm thankful that I get to do it and I'm thankful God uses it. But what I sow into and invest in my own home, my own family and our church that you know, I'm called to, those are the important things in my life. It's the day-to-day things, not the moment that you're on a platform, the hour maybe that you're on a platform somewhere else. And even with the music stuff, like when I'm at home, I'm the only person that does the music at my church. So I play the keys and I sing and I use a program that allows me to run multi-track so that I can add other, you know, instruments and stuff in there. And it's not always easy 
And it's not always enjoyable because being able to play and sing with like an awesome, talented band and worship team and praise singers and all of that is just, it's a lot easier and it's enjoyable because you have a team that you're working with. Um, but still that is more important than the other moments because I'm serving my local church that God has called me to serve. And those Sundays and Wednesdays that I'm serving there, like those are the most important things that I'm doing. So I'm so thankful for all the opportunities I've had um, to travel and the doors that God has opened. And I know he's using them for a purpose, but again, one of the reasons my husband really pushed me to actually say yes to things and I wouldn't be doing what I am doing without his encouragement and him pushing me to say yes, even when it was out of my comfort zone. Um, but he, he just believed that God would bless what we were doing in Seattle by me being able to travel and talk and share the stories, you know, of what's going on and what we're doing. Otherwise people wouldn't know. And God's given me a platform to also share and hopefully kind of give people a burden for, you know, the city of Seattle and the work that we're doing there. And we have seen that to be true over and over again. Um, which is great, you know, people yeah. fall in love with the mission and the vision yeah. behind what we're doing uh, and want to sew into that too. Um, but yeah, so the most important things that I do are the things that are at home. Everything else is kind of an added benefit. And then beyond that, um, I mentioned this already too, he's the one that's really pushed me to get out and to say yes to things even outside of my comfort zone. Um, but as a woman in ministry, as a married woman in ministry especially, I always want to reinforce to other women, for one, I am not a man, and I'm not trying to be a man, especially in any type of ministry aspect. God made me as a woman, and I am going to be proud of that and operate in the things that God has designed and called me to do as a woman. And so even in ministry, I'm never looking to try to act like a man, to sound like a man, yeah. to talk like a man. I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a feminine way, and I always want to make sure people know that I'm doing it my only authority comes because I am submitted to my husband. He's also my pastor, but being submitted to my husband and to a pastor in my life is what allows me to operate with authority and anointing. And if I'm ever outside of that, then I'm outside of the will of God. Um, so I'm thankful for his covering, my husband's covering in my life. I remember when we were doing merit, premarital counseling early on, my uncle who married us, he, I remember him saying to Ryan, like, don't be intimidated by what God wants to do in your wife. And thankfully, like, I don't even know if Ryan remembers that. He's just, it's not in his nature to be intimidated. <laughs> um, he's always so proud and so encouraging. But that could be good for somebody who's listening to this as well. Like, from the husband's point of view, you know, being supportive is it's necessary, I would say, to the success of if you want your, if your wife is called to do something, she's got to have your blessing and covering over what mm. she's doing. Your prayer, you've got to be linking arms, you know, with that, with that too, because she needs that in order to be able to walk in authority and anointing yeah. in those things that are, those callings that are outside of maybe something you do together. So I had a couple of things that come to mind. I think this is important. I think not just for women in ministry, but people in ministry in general, and this is what it's so amazing to hear is like you're doing what you're doing because your husband is supporting what you're doing. Yeah. And had he not supported that, it'd been a whole lot more challenging to do what you're wanting I to do. I wouldn't yeah, be, right. honestly. Yeah. And if he told me, and I'm just, this is the truth. If he told me I need you to stay home, I would not be, I'd be home. Yeah. I would cancel everything else I had going on 
and I would be home. And right now we're even navigating that with Asha because yeah. like we've got a baby in the mix and my calendar was full before she came. So I was like, do I just say no to everything? Do we try to make yeah. this work and just, you know, see how it goes? Um, which right now we're in the, let's just see how it goes phase. Yeah. Well, I think what's so amazing about that, though, is it's like even though like, yeah, now it's getting difficult to, to navigate, but it's like it's still it's you still can. And I think this is one thing that that me and Erica try to do. And we're try we try to be intentional about is supporting one another in ministry. Like, hey, I believe in what you're doing. How can I help you do what you're doing? Right. I, and I know you do the same thing for Ryan and Ryan does that for you. So I think that's really amazing to hear. I think the second thing that I'd love to hear your thoughts on is like it's so it, it's becoming it's becoming really um like prevalent i think just in like main mainstream society in general and maybe some in the church but the idea that if i am not more than a mother and that okay so it's a little different because you are right you have you have a, a, a large platform and you are doing a lot but the, here you're and, and to hear you and it's something we talk about a lot in the podcast and just in general, like our lives are about priorities, not balance. My top priority is God, then my, my, my relationship with my wife and then my kids and then everything else comes after that. But I think for some people, it's like, if you're not more than this, then you are not successful in life. And I'd really love to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, that is definitely something that has, it's like prevalent in our culture. That is the message that is being taught and promoted is that and again it comes a lot out of the feminist type of mindset and movement that you know you have kids or whatever but you should be doing all of these other things and if you're not doing those if you just wanted to be a mom like that's somehow either a bad thing or if your kids are keeping you quote unquote from doing all of these other things that you you know think you should be doing, then, then that's a bad thing. And your kids suddenly become this burden when the Bible is very clear that our children are a blessing from the Lord. Um, if you can't be committed to being a mom and even staying home with your kids, if that's what needs to happen, then maybe you don't need to have children. I'm just saying, because like, as soon as you have kids, every priority in your life does have to change. They do become a calling to your children and to raise them the way that you need to becomes more important than every other calling in your life. Yeah. So that priority list that you just mentioned has to be in place. And um, like I 100% I believe that my calling to be a mom supersedes every other thing in my life. And if no calling or ministry is going to cause you to lose your family or to like your marriage, if your marriage is falling apart because you're doing what you think God called you to do, yeah. then you need to reevaluate yeah. that because your marriage should not be suffering because sure. of it, and your children for sure should not be suffering. Say it louder for those in the back. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. That's, yeah, love it. So, yeah. like that's just that's where I stand on all of that. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I love. You know, I give major props to Ryan because uh, it's hard. It's hard when a spouse maybe is, um, you know outdoing and, and their career is just blossoming and and you know you guys have planned a church and he's back home tilling in Seattle every day like, so you know, true. you're you're living the life of luxury at all these fancy <laughs> hotels in Lufkin uh where we put chocolates on your pillow yeah. um, it's not in Lufkin <laughs> not in Lufkin oh okay no but I, I did know, get avocado toast for breakfast that's though. right yeah, that's could you right. hear yes. him down wow yeah. Well, yeah. from my host oh from your host <laughs> yes Thank you, Jeremy yeah, you know. so nice yeah um 
No, but I, I love that, that you guys are doing this together. You're supporting each other. You know, you've, ha- you've been in this relationship. You've had your ups and downs. Um, you know, I would love to know, you, you, both, you said you both had a passion for Seattle, right? So you moved there. What made you say, hey, we need to start our church here? So I grew up in Washington State, and, um, of course, we belong to the Apostolic Pentecostal you know, church movement. And as far as that goes, there are very few churches in the state of Washington. So maybe total that believe this, the apostolic message, maybe about, I don't know, 65 to 70. And that's across, you know, multiple organizations um, that believe this message. And so as a young person, I saw the need like there, we need more churches. We need people who are willing to come and to stay. <laughs> people don't leave take it, take and it then easy. don't yes, come no, home. No, I can see that in my video. Yeah, that was a really me. hard side eye, Jeremy. There. Uh, but I just God put a burden in my heart for that as a young person, just living in it, you know, and seeing the need. And you know, a lot of people say, and I love this saying, that exposure breeds a burden. <laughs> and so, because that, you know, I was exposed to that, I just saw the need for it. My husband, on the other hand, um, it was actually a general conference before we started talking that they were doing a, um, what we would call now like a North American missions service where they were promoting people traveling and starting churches across the United States. And in that service, they had um, people come out carrying these banners with major cities on them. And the people, you know, the congregation was just praying over those cities. And um, one of them was Seattle and Ryan said when that sign came by, it was like God just dropped that in his heart. And then when he came out and visited Seattle, I think it just was reinforced because he fell in love with the area and with the city. He's from the tiniest little town in Oklahoma. So the fact that he is such a city boy is hilarious. (laughs) But he really is. He fits right in. Like, he just just fits there. So when we started talking, of course, and realized, like, we both have that – passion. Well, for one, he was drawn to Seattle and I'm like, Hey, if I can go home and start churches, like, yes, let's do that. Funny enough, after we got married, it took five years for God to actually open that door. And during that time, God took us through a lot of things preparing us for that. But like specifically the cost of living in Seattle is ridiculous. So we went from living in Lufkin, Texas to a little tiny town in Oklahoma to a little tiny town in Tennessee where the cost of living is, you know, I, we were paying like $395 a month for our rent in Tennessee. And yeah, I'm about to move there. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> when we moved there, though, a big plant had shut down and there was no work. So we were, quote unquote, working at the church, but not on staff. You know, we weren't getting yeah. paid for it. So we were working with the youth. I was working with music stuff, but we had to have other jobs and there was nothing. And thankfully, my husband believes that when the Bible says you need to take care of your family, if you don't take care of your family, it says you're worse than an infidel. <laughs> he believes that. And he literally was doing everything he possibly could to provide for our family. So he worked for a used car salesman which is or dealership, which is hilarious because he is not a salesman. He's an introvert and he's a homebody. Like he's, that's not up his alley at all, but he did it. <laughs> he laid carpet for Lowe's. He worked for a Verizon store, like just anything he possibly could do he was doing to take care of our family and provide for us and during that time he actually he's very techie so he was like you know people are making money online doing you know blogging and marketing and all of this stuff I can figure this out surely so he started teaching himself basically how to do all of this stuff it was really when blogging was like 
exploding. We kind of laugh about it because I was like, well, I'll start a blog too. And my blog ended up making like, I don't know, a little over a thousand dollars. And I think he made like seven cents. <laughs> He's like, that's not fair. <laughs> you're like, I taught you how to do this. And then you're the one that ends up getting that's the check. So <laughs> no. Um, anyway, during that time though, he really taught himself all of the stuff to do with um, like inbound marketing, online marketing, um, blogging, just all of it. And when God told us to move to Seattle, it was like a three day th- revival we were in and he said the time is now we'd been waiting five years for the door to open we packed everything we could loaded up in our car and we didn't even have enough money to get to Seattle but we're like God said go and we're going and on the way there money was put into our hands that got us the rest of the way there we both got interviews when we got there um, and he got his job because of all of the stuff that he had taught himself how to do because he had no choice but to try to do anything. And looking back, we realized God literally used that that three years to train him. He's one of the best people in his field at what he does. He does, but she's not even doing that now because God let him quit that job (laughs) last year. So crazy. But, um, he's in marketing that got him the first job that allowed us to get into an apartment in Seattle, where again, the cost of living is so much higher. And, um, three different jobs later, he's just, he continued to climb in the field that he's in because he self-taught himself when he, you know, had nothing else to turn to as far as job and work and all of that goes. So super crazy. But anyways, yes, we ended up finally in Seattle and God has just done miracle after miracle there. And again, lots of ups and downs. That's just the nature of church planning or working with people in general. Sure, as I'm yeah. sure everybody knows. Yeah. But we're so thankful for what God is doing in the city. And especially after COVID, we've, we've really felt this new, I don't know, just anticipation for what God is doing. There's been new people connecting that we've been able to, you know, be a part of their lives. My husband just got to, for the first time, be a part of this thing called a naming ceremony because we have a lady in our church who's from Nigeria and she had a baby. And in their culture, they do a naming ceremony on the eighth day of the child's life. And so my husband got to go and participate in this thing, you know, that's like we would have never even been exposed to outside of a city like Seattle where it's so diverse. Um, So that was really cool too. That's awesome. (laughs) I only have one more question. I attend churches some pretty big names, Jeremy Gilliam being one, yes, right? Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't say I've ever attended church with Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. I would love to know how, what's it like pastoring those two <laughs> individuals? Um, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, see we can get them, we'll see if we can get them plugged in yeah, over there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, sorry. I, that, it's been on my mind the whole time. Yeah, so no, I, Seattle, I so. mean, Part of me is like, man, that would be nice. But the other part of me is like, boy, they probably bring a lot of their own <laughs> problems and issues. I don't know if we could handle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably find a new building, though. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. You know, I mean, God actually, he's provided financially through some crazy stories, too, that has that got us into the building that we're in right now. I won't go into all the details of that. But, um, yeah, he's definitely more than able to use anybody yeah. to provide when he wants to provide. We've not... I don't know. He's just come through every yeah. single time, especially, like I said, in a city that's so expensive. I mean, some of the, we're not paying this, I will say, but some of the buildings that we were looking at to rent are $11,000 a month. <clears throat> to rent. To rent. <laughs> that is not to own, to lease or wow. whatever. It's to, you know, it's to rent. And thankfully we're not quite there. I'm not going to announce what we are paying because <laughs> <laughs> it is still a lot. Yeah. And 
it's like, you know what, if God want, we told the Lord already, if you want us to be here, you're going to provide, this is your church. This is what you've called us to do. And if that's the case, then how can we not trust him to provide if it's something that we need? You know, if he closes the door, then we'll just move on to the next thing. But yeah. he hasn't closed the door and he's provided every step yeah. of the way. That's awesome. So incredible. Brittany, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for if having you guys me. Are, yeah, if you guys are interested, you got we'll drop her social media stuff in our description. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you.